Books, The Final Frontier. These are the discussions of the podcast Sword and Laser, its continuing mission to explore strange new science fiction and fantasy novels, to seek out new characters and new beverages, to boldly read where no one has read before. Go to patreon.com slash swordandlaser to join the mission. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's oh so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. There was someone on Twitter uh, missing us. That was so nice. It's nice to be missed. Well, we'll get there later, probably. Oh, yes, we will indeed. Uh, you know what I was doing when you texted me that we were ready to record this episode? What's up? I was watching The Magicians. Ooh, yes. Uh, what? Where are you at? I uh, I, I fell behind, so mm-hmm. I've been catching up. I know season five is about three episodes in, two episodes in, something like two that. Two episodes, yeah. Uh, uh, but I am at the second to last episode <laughs> of season four. Oh, really? The so penultimate episode. The penultimate. That's Get funny. Um, so you haven't finished season four. No, but what I what I will say that's non-spoilery uh, is in the early days, I kind of thought Julia was my favorite. You know, mm-hmm. I, she she was she was always calm, cool, collected. She made her own way, et cetera, et cetera. But I have to say over the years and I did not like her in season one. I think Margot has become my favorite. Oh, Margot is the best. Um, so I just, good. So you I just want to make sure Desert? you haven't been spoiled by season four you don't know what's going to happen i don't know what's going to happen in the last two episodes no all uh, uh all i know is uh that desert episode with margo really like sealed it for me i was kind of liking her a lot before that but i was like damn, damn it she's stolen my heart as if i'm a well, i'm not gonna say that would be a spoiler but all right well i am very curious to hear your opinions on the final episode of season uh-huh. four. I might get to that tonight. We'll see. All right. So I expect, I want you to text me as I soon will. as you get I there. Will. You really <laughs> don't know what happens. Nope. I've, I've avoided spoilers. <laughs> I know. All right. Um, this is, this is good. I, I feel yeah. like this never happens for us. I know. It's pretty fun, actually. All right. All right. You have to text me. <laughs> I will. I will. I, I will make sure I don't care sure how late it is. To, to, yeah. All right. Yeah, if you're asleep, right. you answer tomorrow. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we're not we're not drinking. Um, no, it's not tonight. Uh, I don't know. It always feels weird to drink on a Wednesday at my mm-hmm. age. <laughs> I guess it doesn't always. Sometimes I do, but uh, yeah. So just uh, just having I'm having a San Pellegrino. I have a Waterloo left on my desk from the last time I was in here. <laughs> How long ago was so that? So maybe I'll drink that. I think it was Monday. I worked from home on Monday. Mm-hmm. It's probably fine. Mm-hmm. It's uh we have whiskey Wednesday at work on ah, Wednesdays. I uh, see. So I did have a um we made Manhattans today. Oh, so you did have a Wednesday drink. Yeah, okay. but that was that was four hours ago. Sure. <laughs> okay. So three hours ago. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, whatever. I'm I'm more drunk on the fajitas I just ate than mm. any any bourbon that was in my my What Manhattan. was in the fajitas? Oh god, so good. Camarones. Oh, shrimpies. Mm-hmm. They're the only, I, I hardly, I barely eat any fish or seafood uh-huh. anymore, but the one thing I can't let go of is the the fajitas cabrones from uh-huh. Puerto Alegre. 
Are they Diablos so, or just regular? No, no. Yeah. Either just, way, though. Yeah, Either they're way. so good. Anyway, um, now that you're all hungry and curious about the magicians, <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Um, Maybe we'll change it to what are we eating in the future. We'll I think I think that would be good. That would be uh-huh. funny uh, for nights when we're not drinking alcohol. Uh, shall we jump into the quick words? Let's do it. Trike uh, posted that some science fiction and fantasy books are entering the public domain this year. Uh, I love these. I, uh, the The fact that we've gotten to the stage with public domain law because copyright was extended for so long. We had decades, I think technically more than 10 years mm-hmm. where things weren't going into the public domain, but they are again. Uh, so The King of Elfland's Daughter by Lord Dunsany, The Land That Time Forgot and Tarzan and the Ant-Man by Edgar Rice Burroughs. The Dream by H.G. Wells, We by Yevgeny Zemyatin, Dr. Doolittle Circus by Hugh Lofting, and The Dream Coach by Anne Parrish. Now, this is in the United States, of course. Uh, your local copyright laws may vary. You may have had some public domain stuff that, that we didn't. Uh, but over here, uh, all this stuff is now freely available to remix and recreate. So we can do our audio play of Dr. Doolittle Circus. Yes. Should we? I'm not. Yeah, I guess it is I mean, kind of. It's fantasy. Movie out. It's not doing very well. It's though. not doing very well. We could do audio plays of stuff, though. We could. That might be fun as yeah. an experiment sometime, because um, we have so much time to do these things. Right, in all of <laughs> our copious spare time. We'll make it work. Um, also, a note from Tomahome: on Netflix is making a Witcher anime film. Which this is the first. I feel like I don't know how I missed this because this is the first I'm hearing of this. And I'm very excited about it. Uh, io9 has confirmed that Netflix is currently developing The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, a standalone anime film that is designed to expand the world of Netflix's series. According to the plot description, the movie, quote, explores a powerful new threat facing the continent. Okay, it's mm. a little, little vague, a little vague there, but that's cool. I feel like Netflix wants to make The Witcher its Game of Thrones. The way HBO wants Game of Thrones to be a franchise, right? Because we're we're gonna get House of the Dragon uh, next mm-hmm. from HBO, and they they have some other irons in the fire for maybe some expanded Song of Ice and Fire Westeros universe stuff. Uh, and I, I talked about this on my other show, Cord Killers. I feel like Netflix is thinking, okay, Witcher could be a franchise that always keeps people coming back because we have lots of cool Witcher universe stuff. Mm-hmm. I also did not know that Netflix is claiming that uh, The Witcher is its most successful series in the history of Netflix. little inside baseball on that. I, they, I hear that it's questionable data. Well, it's not questionable data. It's, uh, it's creative accounting. So in the past, Netflix would talk about watches, which they defined as someone got through 70% of an episode or a movie. And that counts as a watch. Mm-hmm. This time, in the same earnings statement where they said the witcher was their most popular of all time they cited a number called chose to watch chose to watch means someone watched two minutes or more (laughs) okay so you're gonna get a bigger number right because people it it basically says there's no accidental starts here it's not like people press play and then quickly stopped it has to be two minutes but there are plenty of people who go through two minutes of something and then go yeah forget it i'm not and and i'm not gonna watch that so I'm not saying it's a false data, but they changed which data they're using now. And I wonder if it would still be the most popular ever if they were under the old 70%. I'm sorry, Tom. Numbers. Did you just say they changed which data? <laughs> Toss a coin. 
<laughs> toss a coin to your Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> toss like and keep a Witcher streaming coins. and keep Witcher streaming. Sorry. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, I liked it. Uh, it took me a little while to get into it. I'm glad I had read the book for sword and laser, uh, but I like the Witcher. So I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious about the anime. I'm, I'm willing to see what they come up with. We'll watch. Yeah. And, and similar team. Um, it's going to be helmed by Witcher showrunner, Lauren Schmidt, Hisrich and writer Bo DeMaio, um, who both worked on the first season, of course. And yeah, Studio Mir, the Korean animation company behind The Legend of Korra and mm. Netflix's Voltron Legendary Defender will be the folks creating it. I uh, I hope it's surprisingly good. Don't get it. Is that a joke? Don't get it. It's not a joke. It's the law of oh, surprise. Oh, law of surprise. <laughs> oh. Uh I love that Jan has embraced her role as not Dara uh, uh, to the point that she is posting in Quick Birds as not Dara, a.k.a. Jan. Uh, posted this one. At Sundance, uh, premiered another movie reimagining Peter Pan, this time with Alice in Wonderland thrown in for good measure. The movie is called Come Away, directed by Brenda Chapman, who did The Prince of Egypt and Brave. Angelina Jolie and David Oyelowo play the parents of siblings Alice, Peter, and David, who imagine grand adventures playing in the woods outside their country home in Victorian-esque England until... Dun-dun-dun. There's a trailer. There's spoilers. Uh, reviews seem to be mixed, but so far the people involved, like Gugu Mbatha-Ra and Michael Caine, make Jan interested, despite the idea of it not being exactly new anymore. Oh, so sounds like different take on Peter Pan uh, mm-hmm. with a little Alice in Wonderland mashup. I like it. All right. I like I the will, idea anyway. We'll see I, if I, I like, like a lot of those actors, so I'll give it a give it a shot. Mm. I'm always here for uh, Peter Pan was the first play I was ever in. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Peter a, Pan. Young, young person. Was the first um, stage thing I saw that wasn't put on by a school I was attending. Do you want to know what my line was? What was your line? Look, a cake, a cake. <laughs> I've heard you say that before. That was it. That was the whole that's line. That's why. Because that was your line of Peter Pan. A oh big my God, that's acting great. debut. Yeah. Um, the version of Peter Pan that I saw as my first stage performance that I ever saw outside of a school wasn't yours, I don't think, though. I'm don't sorry, think so. No, don't think so. It was, a sh- it was a limited run. But the one I saw was at the Fox Theater in St. Louis. Was yours? Wasn't no, I no? like I said, okay, so definitely not the same. Very limited run, mm-hmm. very you know, one night only <laughs> kind of deal. West Hartford, yeah. Connecticut, you know how it goes. Mm. Well, uh, yeah, command performance, right? Oh, yeah, who needed another run? Yeah, not me, couldn't top it. Um, Seth says the librarians made their 2019 genre book picks. Here's the full reading list. Uh, that list includes runners up and read alikes for the winners of all genres. In sci fi, they picked a memory called Empire by Akadi Martin. Akadi? Akadi? Akadi Martin. And in fantasy, they picked Gods of Jade and Shadow by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. Yeah. And then the, the read alikes uh, for science fiction were The Goblin Emperor. Mm. By Catherine Addison, The Collapsing mm-hmm. Empire by John Scalzi, and Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. So mm. <laughs> that's uh, you know, you got you got some good stuff uh to choose from there. I'm I I must have just gone right past fantasy when I was. Oh scrolling. yeah, the read-alikes are Spinning Silver uh, by Naomi Novik, Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse, and We Hunt the Flame by Hafsa Faisal. Mm, good stuff. Good stuff. So, you know, we're always trying to 
add to the uh, the reading list. And those are those are good picks. Thank you, librarians. Thank you, librarians. We uh, we understand that the library is not always portrayed in in a good way in the magician's television show, but mm-hmm. we love the real librarians for sure. <laughs> True. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Tamahome is back and says, uh, in regards to our previous discussion on could we, should we, would we read all the Hugo noms in the year in a- of our Lord 2020? Um. She has a solution. Okay. It's get Jenny from the Reading Envy podcast to read all of them for us and tell us about them. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Jenny, for agreeing to do that. (laughs) No, she hasn't agreed to do that. (laughs) Well, she said she's done it before. So I feel like we're we're pretty, you know, it's a good possibility that we could somehow convince her to do all of that work for us. I, I like that... Uh, I like this idea the more I think about it. Um, and so, and so we'll be kicking off our, our pick for, for January, which is a potential Hugo nominee. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like that we're, I like this idea of, of trying to read the good stuff. I do like that we balance old and new and, and Mm -hmm. vary things Mm -hmm. up, but we can still do that, you know, part of the year, even if we spend a large part of the year, uh, reading potential nominees. Now, are were you uh, originally were you uncomfortable with this idea because it takes away your agency? No, it wasn't that it took away my agency. It was that I felt like it took away so many picks from the year and it would be difficult to try to read them mm-hmm. by the time the Hugos happened. Uh, but in the in the weeks since we talked about it, I sort of realized, well, taking a, it won't take away that many picks. Uh First of all, people pointed out that a lot of times Hugo nominees are second or third books in a series, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which point they're disqualified, right? From us, yeah. Uh, not disqualified, but but no, we don't like to pick a book that's a second or third in a series for Sword right, and Laser, right. so we wouldn't pick those. So that's probably going to lower the number. Uh, also, if we don't want to read books from authors we've already read too often, that might cause us to be like, well, maybe we'll skip that one. Uh, if it's an author like that, but, but even just the series thing could bring it down to three or four. So that's not that many. And and some of them are fantasy and science fiction. Exactly. So, we, we talked about it as if, at least I talked about it as if they're always all science fiction, but that's not true. Uh, so it does mix up. So I'm not worried about the balance of sword versus laser. Plus we've been doing this long enough. We can, we can mess with the formula. It's, you know, yeah. why not? Uh, and, and it'll mean we're reading really good books. That's where I ended up. I was like, oh, but we'll also be reading really good books. And so. I'm kind of excited. Like, I, I I, don't lately feel like I'm very up on what's new and hot anymore because we do jump around a little bit and mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of time for reading on my own. So this might be a kind of fun, fun way to feel cool and with it. I tell you what, another another part of my decision happened. I was listening to the Reading Glasses podcast okay. and they were talking about the Oprah book club mm-hmm. and they mentioned how Oprah almost always chooses new stuff, but occasionally will go back and choose something old. And I was like, well, we'll still be better than Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Oprah of science fiction and fantasy. Right. We'll still be be choosing a wider variety in that case. So I was like, well, if it's good enough for Oprah, sure. I'm, I'm literally not even worth the toenail on Oprah's <laughs> pinky God, toe. No. Me either. I don't mean money-wise. I just mean just joke, in just all joking, ways. Just joking, Oprah, please don't crush us. 
don't hurt me. Um, Benedict says, why, oh, why can't we just have a weekly sword and laser? I can't wait so long between each episode. Maybe it's their voices. Hey, Tom, set up a group chat once a week. Me, you, and Belmont. We can just kick it. Hashtag, Hashtag booksio. Booksio. Oh, man, Benedict. I, believe me, if we could figure out how to do sword and laser more often, we would be doing sword and laser more often. It's uh, no no joke. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But I I, I respect, mad respect, mad yeah. love. Thank I'm you. Fla- I'm flattered. I, I'm happy that Benedict wants to spend more time with us. Thank you. I mean, you. maybe we should do a Patreon tier of like, book chat with tom and veronica we're just for an hour we just shoot the shit about whatever we're reading yeah if we could figure out how to schedule that or or have mm-hmm. it on a on a way that that we could make that happen i'd i'd be into that just that would informal be fun. yeah yeah that'd be cool we could do it in the discord don't forget we have a discord i don't know how many times i have to tell all of you i cannot access my discord because i messed up the two factor authentication and i can't log into any discords you can create a new account though right i could but then ugh, fine yeah i know all right uh then uh hello to alter jess lynn's dreams and bookish rabbit zero for letting cat valenti know you all found out about her books through sword and laser thank you so yes. happy you're enjoying her work that's awesome that was a very nice uh, series of tweets that I caught wind of. Um, basically, Catherine Valente asked how people discovered her. And we had some nice sword and laserites uh, chime in saying that they found out about her works through us. So thank you. I, I hope that uh, you find lots of great stuff through sword and laser. But it was really nice to hear. Oh, you know, another thing I want to do is uh, shout out to Buzz Park, uh, who puts together a monthly meetup in Los Angeles for sword and laser folks, is really good about letting me know when it is. Uh, I went to the last, the the latest one this past weekend. Uh, you know, I, you know, we're we're not at the Veronica Belmont San Francisco meetup size, but we're getting there. You know, we had about like twelve people, I think. I'm sorry, you had twelve. <laughs> we had four people at our last meetup. So we're three times as good. <laughs> um, and they almost only had three people at the last meetup because I went to the wrong place. Oh shoot. I enjoyed a nice piece of pizza and a beer before I realized that no one was joining me. Right place. Uh, Well, folks, just a good reminder to go check that thread in the Goodreads about local meetups. Uh, If you're in San Francisco or Los Angeles, you can meet with us. Uh, And if you're not, you can meet with a bunch of other great sword and laser people. They're all over the country in Atlanta and Maryland and Mm -hmm. all over the place. Yeah, Uh, we'd love more San Francisco folks. We've had a pretty tight-knit group for the past year or so, um, but we fluctuate anywhere between four and maybe seven or eight. We've stayed pretty small. Yeah, this was the biggest LA one we've had in a long time. That's awesome. Two, four, six, eight, nine. I think it was 10. Nice. I think it was 10, yeah. That's great. All right. Well, now it is time for our book of the month discussion. Uh, We're going to start off by talking about the February pick, uh, followed by our final thoughts of In the Company of Others. So, Tom, would you like to read the book briefing? Uh, Yeah, this this is your pick that I picked for you. Okay, so I just want (laughs) to one thing. Yes. So I feel I feel many things. One thing I feel is that I was somehow tricked. Because just stay with me, bear with Uh me, it'll come Uh back around, I'll take it back. Sure. I felt tricked because this is really kind of like not totally a sword, it's also very lasery. So I just want to put that out there. Mm -hmm, It's kind mm -hmm. of a sword and laser true combo. 
um, for all you fans out there. So Tom, Tom, Tom got some uh, uh, laser in there, but also <laughs> I can't be mad because I didn't do jack shit to pick this book. <laughs> I had zero part in picking this book. Um, I, I just totally I the dropped text? the ball. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so the texts were, what if we try to pick books we think have a chance starting now? Of course, this is picking up the Hugo and, and, talk, like, right? and you also should read the, the time in which it took for me to reply to these texts, because I think that's also important. Oh, yeah. This is 1.18 p.m. Uh, what if we try to pick books we think have a chance starting right now? This one has buzz and has kind of got fantasy elements. Gideon the Ninth, mm-hmm. the Locked Tomb Trilogy, which is our pick uh, for, for January. 5.42 p.m., Tom again. <laughs> Whatever we're going to do, we need your February pick. Mm. 6.37 a.m. the next day. That looks fun, says Veronica. <laughs> 9.47 a.m. I finally get around to responding. Fun enough to make it your pick? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then at uh, 9.28 a.m. the next day. <laughs> Uh, yes. Yes. Looks fun. It's fine by me. Yep. Yep. I'm not usually that bad. (laughs) Man, I mean, I'm, it's, it's, you you got things to do. What do you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, it was just, you said looks fun and I wasn't sure if that meant, but I'm also going to look at other things or if it was like, looks fun, let's do it. Oh no, that was a super unclear response I gave you. I yeah, was just no waiting denying for that. The, for the other f- shoe to drop on the looks fun. Uh, but you're right. Gideon the ninth has space. And I did try to say like, it's kind of got fantasy elements, even oh, yeah. not, not trying to overpromise. Uh, but it's the first book in the locked tomb trilogy, which Charles Strauss describes as Lesbian necromancers explore a haunted gothic palace in space. Yep. So this is super goth. It's uh, It's got a lot of uh, undead, uh, a lot of skeletons. A lot of skeletons. Uh, a lot of swords, swords play. Yep. yep. Uh, people with swords, sword masters and cavaliers and different kinds of, of fighting elements. And there's castles and emperors, but everything is in space. Well, so everything's not, on a planet. It's in. Well, there's multiple planets. I there's guess multiple that's planets. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like if you took like the houses from Game of Thrones and put them in space. That's a good way to put it. Instead of seven kingdoms, there were seven planets. Right. So it's yeah. a little like Dragon Riders of Pern a little bit in that mm-hmm. way, I guess. Um, Gideon is uh, the main character. Gideon wants to abandon the life of servitude and afterlife as a re- and avoid her afterlife as a reanimated corpse. But her childhood nemesis, Harrowhawk, needs her for something. She has been invited as one of the heirs of the Emperor's loyal houses to a deadly trial of wits and skill. And if Harrowhawk succeeds, she will become immortal. But she needs Gideon. And if Harrowhawk fails, her house dies. Uh, so Gideon hates Harrowhawk. Harrowhawk needs her to save the house and hilarity will ensue. Oh, they hate, they hate each other. I know. I just started the book and man, oh, do they hate each other. They also, really hate each other. This has got kind of a twisted Pratchett like, uh, humor to it. It's very funny. Um, it's, it's very, very funny. funny. It kind of reminds me a little bit of seven blades in black in some ways. Yes. Uh, just like that the, too. Yeah. Like the, um, Little echoes of Sal mm-hmm. the Cacophony uh, in Gideon, I would say, or vice versa. Um, 
but I'm 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 listening to the audiobook and I am it's uh Moira Quirk, who's one of my favorite audiobook readers. She did um she did The Rook and Stiletto uh by Daniel O'Malley. Oh, that's where I knew her she from. did Rook, um a lot okay. of the Parasol Protectorate books. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm a big fan and it's it's been a very enjoyable listen so far. I'm I'm finding myself going through it quite quickly. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I, for, you know, not having picked this book hardly at all. I am, I'm, I will take all the credit because I think y'all are going to love it. Yeah. Uh, and for the March pick, I guess this, I keep calling it our January pick. It's our February pick. This is our February pick. Yeah. For the March pick, uh, let, let me know, uh, what books do you think have the best shot at becoming a Hugo nominee for Mm -hmm. the March pick? And, uh, we'll, we'll start figuring that out as well. I think that's kind of where we want to go until we get the actual nominees, which are in April. Uh, we will still do March Madness, though, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So that that's going to happen no matter what. And yeah, I mean, if you guys want to front load it with books you think would be Hugo noms from that's March Madness, yeah. like hey, you can you can make that happen too. Right. Um, though I, I'm never one to stand stand in the way of our our fair and and kind of not really democratic process. Well, it's a it's a republic like process. We, we take the nominations from the people and then as a representative assembly, Veronica and I dictate what goes into the tournament. We, we wipe but the then slate it's all clean. Demo- dem- democracy from that, from then on. That's true. Yeah. It's kind of funny how we do it. We're like, here, pick all the ones you want to read. We're going to wipe the slate clean and put in all our own choices. No, we don't, we don't really wipe do that. The slate I'm just clean. joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. You know someone just got upset. I know That's- we don't do that. We our our process is very clear. <laughs> we actually pick most of the stuff people nominate, but you do need someone to kind of make the calls and mm-hmm. balance it. You know, because if you went straight on what was nominated, you'd ha- it'd be a little bit out of whack. Yep. You need you need an equal number of swords and lasers, all that kind of stuff. So yep. yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Pick it up wherever books are sold. Uh, Gideon we've got the, the link by Tamsin Muir. We've got the link over on our blog and in our pick section, so check it out. All right. Well, now it is time for our final thoughts on In the Company of Others by Julie E. Trinata. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. might get spoilery. I liked this book. (laughs) I liked this book. Uh Um, The pacing was very weird. (laughs) I found the pacing to be very weird. Like mm-hmm. it really started pretty slow. They spent a lot of time in certain parts of the book that I thought could have been sped along a little bit more quickly. Specifically, like the first half of the book, the first like 45% of the book could have happened a little more quickly. Uh, but then when things got rolling on the ship and and over to the planet, it got really exciting. Mm-hmm. And, like a lot of stuff happened all at once. And then I'm very unclear <laughs> about what happened at the end. So that's where I'm at. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not that far off from you. Uh, when last we spoke, I talked about how it took a long time to get started, but then it started rolling and I was enjoying it. Then I felt like it slowed right back down again. Really? I'll be honest. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I started to be like, okay, but now we're there. Why isn't? more happening there like there's all these ships on the way but they never really get there <laughs> well some died some you know crashed. And uh, yeah and then there's some like exploded. oh there's people landing on the planet like wait when did that happen um, yeah i don't know I, I i i want to like this book mm-hmm. uh i like a lot of things about this story i didn't end up 
wanting to continue to read it. I had to make myself read it. And that's always the telling part for me is if I'm excited to get back to it, cool with getting back to it or making myself get back to it. I wasn't dreading getting back to it, which would be the worst possible reaction. Yeah. Uh, But I was making myself read it. And then I was like, oh, okay. And I would drift off and I'd have to rewind the audio book. Like, wait, I wasn't paying attention, Mm. uh, which is also not a good sign. Mm -hmm. Uh, That happened quite a bit more often with this. But I love the concepts behind it. I, I I love the quill and 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 the whole thing about how the quill were just imitative to a you know to a great extent and didn't have their own intelligence. And so you have this trolley like dilemma where you're like, but if we release them, that kills the intelligence they had. But was it really their intelligence? And were they suffering? By making that intelligence, I, I found yeah. that all very compelling at the end, if, if like you say, kind of complex and confusing. So, okay, so maybe you can explain this to me because I feel like yeah, I missed maybe. something. Maybe I wasn't paying attention enough at the end, at the crux, but I feel like how and how did they release the, the quill away from its intelligence? Like, how did they... How did I had decide to rewind to not... that part and listen to it like five times because it happens so fast. Okay. And I still can't quite tell you. It kind of had to do with concentrating, it seemed like. <laughs> okay. Like he just kind of thought about it and it happened. So, yes. All right. So what was his great-grandmother's name? Um, I want to say Susan. But no. It's not right. But yeah, the, the intelligence that they were emulating was his great grandmother. Yeah. So th- that quill was like kind of depressed and like unhappy. Because it wasn't really her and it knew it. And it also wasn't a real intelligence. There's a whole lot of like what makes something conscious, what is, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that relates to AI in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I found that whole debate really interesting, but that's that sped by super quick. And so, the, yeah, they just like decided. Someone out there in the audience is like, no, you fools. This is how it, it was happened. very clearly, you know, X and that's fine. Uh, it, but you, you, you've got to agree that that scene happens super fast. I, I found it really I, I love the concept that like the first defense squad is like there to protect intelligent life from us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Essentially, I thought that was a kind of a neat twist. And instead of you would expect in that kind of situation, especially when they took over the ship and kind of ran there, we're like, oh, we're going into this mode now because we've determined that the quill might be intelligent. And they kind of took over the ship and and um, and 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 um, Gail's like whole operation. And I expected them to be like, all right, we're going to kill the quill now. But they're like, no, we're going to protect the quill now. Like, we can't mess with them. Yeah. And the whole time, Aaron's secret, well, you know, his whole plan is to kill the Quill. And Gail also, she her whole drive, her impetus is to save humanity. So ultimately, she's trying to figure out how to stop the Quill and she's kill the like, Quill. don't care whether I kill the Quill or not, as long as I can stop them from killing the rest of us. Yeah. Right. But then everyone kind of flips at the end. Yep. Yep. And yeah, makes interesting, interesting choices around that. Yeah. I liked Mally. I, I like a lot of things about this. I, I, I liked <laughs> him too. Like uh-huh. I, I like the characters in Abstentia. Uh, I like the concepts quite a bit. I think there's some really sophisticated stuff in here. And, I, and oh, the yeah. more I think about it, I know that a lot of these concepts are going to stick with me as ideas. Mm-hmm. But as a story, 
it didn't compel me. And that's, that's disappointing. Mm. Um, okay. That's fair. Yeah. I liked, I liked a lot of the characters. I thought it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, I liked, you know, Aaron Pardell, interesting character, interesting backstory, uh, interesting abilities. Uh, Thromberg, as we mentioned in an earlier episode, I thought that whole situation and kind of the culture that evolved around being so overcrowded and the the rules and 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 mores that they picked up, um, <laughs> mores like a moray eel, like Aaron Pardell is kind of like a moray eel. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I was going to make that joke and I didn't. I'm so glad you did. Oh, okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, and the love story was kind of like. Bleh. But, oh, my, I described the love story at our meetup as like being 20 years older than the book it was in. Like, mm, how so? <laughs> just, what do you mean? Like, it too, just felt old-timey? like it was a throwback. Like, I would expect that love story in a book from the 70s. Yeah. Like, they're kind of like, it felt like kind of like Aaron was just in love with her because she was the first woman who would pay attention <laughs> to him <laughs> or like get close to him in a way. I felt I mean, kind of bad and, and, for him. Again, it's kind of like, the rest of of my thoughts on the book, it goes through the motions of Gail has, has you know, could be Mally, could could be nobody, could be mm-hmm. Aaron, could be Grant, but no, she finally settles on Aaron. Right? Aaron doesn't really have that same, and Mally even has more options than Aaron. Aaron pretty much is like, oh, oh you're paying attention to me, okay. Mally, <laughs> Mally, Mally hooks up for sure. Mally is well, like, right. But you think a- Mally, it may be, maybe Mally and Gail, right? They, they oh, play yeah. around with that oh, idea. Totally. Right? I thought it yeah. was going to be Mally and Gail at first. And then it's like, Oh, nope. He's going for the massage therapist. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody else essentially <laughs> and, who and showed actually. up. Well, then they have that. And what I love is the doctor that they're like, he just hooks up with those two people that he brought on board. It's like, well, oh, okay. Don't judge. Yeah, no judge. If they're all if they're all into it, all that's consenting fine. adults yeah. here, that's fine. So yeah, I I I I didn't hate it. I liked it. I thought it was it was good. I like I I liked the audiobook a lot. I uh, it seemed like a lot of people in the forums did not enjoy the audiobook. Maybe it's because I listened oh, to like it at one point five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the performance was fine. I, yeah, I didn't have any problems with that. I actually started reading it on Kindle, and then mm-hmm. I it was not happening fast enough for me. I wasn't going to make it. So I switched over to audiobook and was able to finish Monday. I finished well, you're going on Monday. 1.5 these days. Look at yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I had to crank it up a little bit. Wow. But yeah, so good experiment. A lot of people also in our local group were complaining that maybe we've been picking books that are too long recently. Mm. Sorry about Gideon the Ninth then. Is it long? <laughs> well, it's not not as long as in the company of others, mm-hmm. uh, but but it's, you know, more than two thirds as long. Okay. All right. Well, well, we'll try to be more cognizant of that in the fe- in the in the future. I mean, but it's hard. Yeah, it's it all. But also, like, do you want to not pick a really good book because oh, it's long? Like, Genre people just, like to write. They like to write. They like feels to write lame a lot. to me to be now. Well, I didn't want to pick it because it was too long. It may be the best book ever written, but it's too long. But I we'll mean, try we to don't need to pick up. like Anathem or like yeah. you know, I think like every month we can we can try to 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 mix it up. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. All right, Tom, that's a podcast. It sure is. And if anybody knows, you do. It's me. It's me. You know um, a podcast. You've been doing this. You've been at this. How long now? I don't know. How long have you been at this? At least 2005. Like how long have I been podcasting for? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. 2005. Okay. Yeah. 15 so years. 15 years. You know, just saying. But you know, home dude from the daily is the podcast voice of a generation or whatever. Different generation. <laughs> like, hmm. Cereal comes around daily. What generation do you want to be identified with? I think I'm a, I think I'm a Gen X at heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll welcome you into the fold. Yeah. Well. yeah. Do you still exist? Gen X? Oh yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's always, that's how you know you're Gen X is if people aren't sure you're there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our show is currently entirely funded by you, our wonderful patrons, no matter what generation you're in. Thank you so much to all the folks who back our show. If you want to learn more, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about, some of our favorites, our picks of the month. It's like a little sword and laser bookstore at swordandlaser.com slash picks. You can send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157-SWORD-6. We will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.